to begin by saying again, I am so proud of you, Orangewood. God has given me the vantage point to see many of the things that he is doing. I don't see them all. But I know since I'm here uh, and I'm around, I get to see many things that you probably don't see or know of. And so uh, I'd like to bring them to you from time to time and let you know what God's Spirit's doing in His church. As Zach mentioned, uh, we just had 53 come back from the mission field. Praise God. I think we mentioned that last week. It's so awesome to know how mission-minded this church is, uh, believing that God has called us into submission to himself and also on mission for him. But I want to tell you a little bit about our facility in the last couple of weeks. Uh, Two weeks ago, we opened up this place to Asbury United Methodist Church in Maitland, and they did a sports camp here. And it was awesome to drive on the campus during the week and see another church use the facility that God has given to us. And just to be reminded, it's not about us. It's for Christ and his kingdom. And to hear that at least one young person came to Christ through that ministry and to show up this week. And, you know, we had 150 kids here from Macedonia Baptist Church in Eatonville this week. I mean, this place was crawling with kids. It was awesome. Yeah, it was it was incredible. To see what God is doing. And then, you know, week in, week out from things like the, even the Cancer Society or our ministry partners that come and say, can we use your facility? And if we're talking about advancing Christ's kingdom, we're like, we would love. It's not ours. It's his. So absolutely, let's try to partner together uh, for these things. And even at this weekend coming up, this Saturday, there's going to be a volleyball tournament right here. Um, the, uh, those who are involved with the Maitland Community uh, Police and Fire Department as chaplains were challenging uh, the fire department and the police department. We're going to take them down, show no mercy, show them who's got the power, who's got the uh, serve. So, but we need some volunteers, so that's going to be this Saturday, another great opportunity. And do you know that right now there's a worship service happening at Restore Orlando with the Father's House? Do you know the Father's house has moved to that location that we know and love? That David Outing, our friend who preaches here quite frequently, that they're down there right now having worship, and that's their new home right there in Holden Heights. And do you know that we have a tech down there? That we are mixing their sound for them, and we brought down a sound system. And listen, it's not about us. I'm not doing this to do this. I'm doing this to say rejoice in the Spirit of the living God that's moving here. That's making us believe the gospel. That it's not about us. It's for Christ and his kingdom. Amen? It's exciting stuff. So I'm so very, very proud of you. I have one verse that God has laid on my heart this morning uh, to preach from. And it's from the prophet Isaiah. Uh, Again, Isaiah is a prophet that lived some 700 years before the birth of Christ. And so vividly paints a picture of an amazing servant, amazing king named Jesus who will come and rescue us. And there's one passage today that seems unusual. It's another one of those paradoxical verses. What is God saying is blessed in this verse? I think we'll be surprised. Let's hear God's holy, inerrant word together. Isaiah 42, verse 16 says this. And I will lead the blind in a way they do not know. In paths they have not known, I will guide them. I will turn the darkness before them into light, the rough places into level ground. 
These things I do, and I do not forsake them. Let us pray. Father God, what joy is ours to come and gather as your people into this room, into your house. And Father, to be loved by a God who is, thank you for your grace and mercy that calls us into your presence. And Father, we acknowledge we're sinful and needy. We're on our own, blind. And we need help to see to see the truth of who you are, to see the truth of who we are and our our sinfulness and our depravity and the gulf that exists between a holy God and a sinful humanity. So Father, we ask that you would be gracious enough to send the Spirit of your Son into this room, that you would open up the eyes that are blind so that we could see your beauty, so that we can marvel at who you are, so we can marvel at what your Son has done, so that we could be filled with the Holy Spirit and become your temple, that we truly can see Father, give us eyes to see Jesus and even Jesus on that cross paying the penalty, bridging the gulf that exists between dead humanity and their trespasses and sins and the holiness of God. May we see the cross as a place where justice and mercy kiss. May we see it as a place that that our sins were nailed to, the penalty was paid, and the blood that was shed was sufficient to make us clean. Father, give us eyes to see, although we feel yucky and and broken and, and unworthy. Give us eyes to see your Son's righteousness that clothes us, your children, and that we are not just forgiven in your sight, but we're beautiful. Give us eyes to see that reality, Father. God, give us eyes to see your word and new meaning and truth so that we could not just be hearers of the word, but that we could be doers of the word as well. So, Spirit of the living God, shine brightly into our minds. Open up our ears to hear not my words, not my thoughts, but yours. Father, shine light into our dark hearts, the hearts of unbelief. Father, if there's someone here today who comes and doesn't know You, may today be the day that the light of Your love shines so brightly that they're just radically changed. Father, shine into the darkness of our hearts for those of us who do know You but still are trying to live life so self-sufficiently. Father, if we just gather and we sing your praises and we take this great meal and we leave here unchanged, it's, it's all been for naught. So for your glory and for the kingdom's sake, would you empower our feet to walk in a manner worthy of the gospel? May we walk in newness of life in new ways because we're together. Father, we pray for the Father's house today. We rejoice in the partnership that we could have with them this morning. And we thank you so much for our brother, Pastor David Outing, who I know is proclaiming the name of Jesus in Holden Heights today. And what a joy it is to uh, partner with him. God, bless the Father's house there. And God, shine brightly. Father, the things that I say that are wrong or they're merely my opinion, I pray that they'd be forgotten and fall away. The things that are said that are empowered by the Gospel and true, use those things to make us more like Jesus. We pray all this in Christ's powerful name. Amen.
You know, one of the great joys of uh, having the privilege of going to a little cottage in upstate New York is I get to go and see a place that looks nothing like this. I mean, it's the, it's the rolling hills, it's the beauty, but really where we go, it's nowhere in New York. It's, it's dairy farms, it's farms, it's so different. But to see the landscape, to see the farms... The sights of them are just beautiful. You want to pull over sometimes and see this big, huge farm on the other side of the lake and how it sprawls across. It's just so gorgeous. You really do want to pull the car over and just take a picture. The sounds of a farm and the smells. Some of the biggest dairy farms ever. They got more cows in there. You go and you know you're coming close to that place. So just recently on one of our last trip, uh, one of the last days, uh, we were driving on one of these uh, country roads in the middle of nowhere, and we came upon, upon a uh, farm that had a horse out in the field. And that horse had, was blindfolded. And I'm not talking about the horse had blinders on, like sometimes you see a working horse have blinders on to keep them focused and to keep them looking where they need to look at. This horse had a hood on. He was completely blindfolded. And you immediately think, what in the world did that horse do that the farmer made him wear that thing all day? He's wearing the blindfold of shame, it looked like. He's... Out in this field, this beautiful, the beautiful surroundings, and there he is, blind as a bat, covered in this fold, completely covering his eyes. You think, man, he must be in some really big trouble. And you find out a little investigation. I came back and I thought, why in the world would any farmer that's not just cruel put a hood on his horse? What are they doing? I found out that it was really one of the most loving things you could do for a horse, especially in the summer season, is to protect their eyes. Because the moisture in their eyes and when the weather is hot and dry, uh, it's little pools for the insects. And the insects come there and they can't be doing this all day. Uh, Maybe their tails aren't uh, long enough to swat them away. And those little flies that are more than just an irritant, those flies contain uh, some diseases. And so oftentimes is a blessing for the horse. They could be out in the field and enjoying the hay, enjoying the creation with not having those little gnats drive you nuts. You ever have a gnat drive you nuts? You ever have a bug drive you nuts? You know what it's like, especially if you've seen horses? They do kind of attract flies, don't they? Well, not only that, I found out that in a lot of ways that darkness brings calmness to the horse. It's oftentimes the way that one would train a horse to go and and really interesting, a little bit of study says that if there is an emergency, if there's something tragic that maybe is happening on the farm, the best thing to do is to hood your horse, to blind them. And so therefore, let's say the barn's on fire, and they'd be spooked by all the things that are going on around them. It's amazingly how well they're led if they're blinded, how well they respond. And you start to see that it wasn't cruel. There was some blessing in the blindness. Isaiah is talking about some paradoxical things the Bible talks about. That there's blessing at times 
and our blindness. I'm not talking about spiritual blindness that we don't know God. I'm talking about blindness that God sometimes gives us to the circumstances around us to tell us, I have you in the midst of a situation that's so dark it feels like you're blind. I have you in a situation that's so desperate it feels like the darkness is tangible. I have you in a situation that feels so rough it feels like you'll never find smooth stones again or a smooth past. I have you in that and it feels so lonely. I know you. I know your stories. Many of you know what I'm talking about. Sometimes when your life feels to be so blind. And I'm going to tell you that Isaiah says there's blessing there. Unbelievably. You see, Isaiah was writing to the Israelites who were in Babylon. They were in exile. They had been kicked out of the promised land because of their sinful behavior. And God was writing to them saying, it's not over. I still love you and I'm still going to rescue you. And my plan is not done. And I'm going to continue to love. And let me tell you, in the midst of your circumstances that are blinding, when you feel like you've been just lost from God's love, there's something new that I'm going to do. There's blessing in your blindness. And here are the things we're going to look at today. The blessing of blindness. The blessing of darkness. The blessing of rough places. And the blessing of God's character that never changes. Let's start off with the blessing of blindness. Have you ever heard it said, how many of you, show of hands, have heard this before? God helps those who... God helps those who help themselves. Anybody could find that in the Bible, come up and we'll give you today's offering, okay? I mean, let me tell you, God helps those who help himself is an American-made theology that stinks. It smells like smoke and it's from the pit of hell, Steve Brown would say. But so many of us live our lives, especially around Christians, believing the fact that God is up there as a benevolent God. He's not a self-starting God. He waits for us. He's a moralistic God who waits for us to first respond and act. And basically says, if you want to help yourself and you do a good enough job and you clean yourself up and you start the initiative and you move toward me, guess what? I will move toward you. And if we live our lives with the reality that God helps those who help themselves, it feeds everything in us that's wrong and broken. Our pride, our self-sufficiency, the believing that we can do it on our own. I like to think that I'm self-sufficient. And that self-sufficiency often is fueled by so much pride. You see, if I could see something, if I could see something, I think I could do it. Oh, I get it. I see it. I can do it. I can do this on my own. Sometimes seeing around me what God is doing or seeing around me, which I think is my reality, does nothing but fuel my self-sufficiency. It makes Jeff really big and it makes God really small. And God says, no, I'm going to give you blindness from time to time. Blindness that you don't even know how to take your next step and it's going to be blessed. God wants us to get in certain situations, circumstances that are so far beyond our ability, so far beyond our knowledge. God wants to lead us in certain paths that we 
feel blind. Are you ready for this? So that God's sufficiency, God's character, God's quality will be enough. That God wants us to have blindness in certain areas of our lives where we can't do it. We can't even start to do it. And it's nothing about a God who helps those who help themselves. It's about a gracious God that we call out and say, God, I can't help myself. I can't even get out of bed today. I just feel so blind in darkness. What does he say? What does he say to those of us who find ourselves in such difficult situations that he calls us blind? You know what he says? It's amazing. Look back at 42.16. He says this, I will lead them. Isn't this God gracious? Isn't this God merciful? He looks at those who are blind. He doesn't hit us in the head. He doesn't ridicule us and call us idiots for being blind. He graciously comes to those who know the reality. They can't see reality as it is. Who feel overwhelmed with their circumstances and this God condescends he comes to his people and he says this I will lead in a way that they do not know I did a little study on this word way what does it mean that he'll he'll lead us in the way it's it's direct like Derek it looks like the English name Derek what's this way mean and it, it really could mean I will lead you in a journey that you do not know. I will lead you in a manner that you do not know. I will lead you in a way that you do not know. And my heart starts to fill with joy as I realize what God is calling and offering us is this. If you want to live your life so much better than just living your life that you think you could live on your own with your own understanding and your own circumstances, I will come to you if you acknowledge the fact that you can't do it, that you can't see And I will lead you in a new way. I'll give you a new journey. A journey of purpose. A journey of companionship with me. A journey that one day you'll find yourself face to face with a God who is. I'll teach you to walk in a whole new manner. One that's not consumed with self. One that's not trying to build your own kingdom in your own name. I will lead you in a way that you can follow the God of the universe. I will lead you in a way that makes your life count. I will lead you in a whole new journey if you know that you're blind and you come to me. Interesting uh, horses today. I'm sorry, we've got another horse story coming your way. A man's driving along and there's two horses in the field. True story. And notices that the two horses had an unusual relationship where one went, the other went, and noticed that one of the horses wore a bell. And the one who wore the bell seemed to be the leader, and the one who didn't have a bell seemed to follow everywhere that the other horse went. A little investigation found out the one that had the bell had good eyesight. The one who didn't have the bell was blind. Instead of putting that horse down, decided to put him with this other horse and put a bell on that horse. It was amazing, the response. The one who was blind had to listen. He had to learn to do life in a whole new way. He had to learn how to walk in a whole new way. He had to, instead of seeing it himself and going out after the field, he had to listen and follow the bell that would lead him out into the pastures. And at the end of the day, he had to follow the bell that would lead him back into the safety of the stable and the hay that was provided you see, I, I think that there's a, there's a really good illustration there for us that 
in our self-sufficiency and our belief that God helps those who help themselves, that we don't need really a God who's going to lead and guide us, that we want to lead ourselves. We want to be trailblazers ourselves. We want to create our own way. And here's the blessedness of blindness. God says, blessed are those who are blind in the sense that I will lead them. I'm going to lead them. You don't need to lead yourself. You don't need to get your own journey. You just need to stop and listen to see where I am and what I'm doing. You've got to align yourself up with me. I will lead you, this gracious God says, in a whole new way. It also says this, I will guide them. He goes on to say, listen, not only will I lead them, I will guide them in paths that they have not known. And the study of the word path here is like a trodden down way. I mean, it's basically ruts. I mean, don't, doesn't our life kind of produce ruts? You know what I'm talking about. You might slip into one tomorrow morning. We seem to have ruts of life. And here's this God who is, who's an amazing journeying with us God, amazing fellowship God who says this, I will not only lead you on a new journey that has substance in life, I'm going to guide you in a whole new path. I'm going to take you out of your rut. I mean, your rut of life that's just consumed with self and sin, I'm going to lift you out. And I'm going to take you, God says, I'm going to take you to places you don't know. How do you like places you don't know? Oh, yeah, there's an adventure for a little while. But you know that we love ruts. Do you know that blind people in ruts need no guide? And think about that. I mean... Blind people in ruts need no guide. And the only time a blind person needs a guide is if they're going somewhere new. Somewhere they don't know. Something that's unfamiliar. Something that's not a rut in their life. And this gracious God who is says, I want to give you a life and lead you in a way that you're just not in a rut. Guide you in a whole new way. I was realized I was meditating on this. I think, you know, God is called the God of all comfort, the Father of all comfort, the God of all mercies. Think about this with me for a minute, Orangewood. God is a God who wants to comfort his people and love his people through life. And yet, sometimes, you know where we find our comfort? In our ruts in our routines, in our things, in our religion, in our relationships. And sometimes this God of comfort wants to reveal how comforting He is. You know what He's willing to do? He's willing to lead us in new ways that aren't comfortable. He wants to show us that sometimes our life is going to take a 180 degree turn and the things that we lean on and feel good about and comfortable with, all of a sudden they're going to be shaken to the core. And all of a sudden you're going to get news that yes, the test was positive. You do have cancer. Yes, you just lost your job. Yes, your child was arrested. Yes, those things that we want to lean on and for comfort. You just lost your retirement. Whatever it is. And the God of comfort sometimes... He's going to mess them up because he's going to say the the comfort's not the rut. The comfort's the God who is. The comfort's the one who promises to walk with you in a new way for new meaning. The comfort's in me. And I'm discovering that 
that I don't always want his comfort. I want the comfort of stuff. And sometimes when he starts shaking the things that I'm comfortable with, I just want to yell and say, stop it, God of all comfort. Give me my rut. It feels good. I'm safe in my rut. I don't need you in my rut. Just be a God who helps those who help themselves. And he leads me into darkness. He said, no, no, there's a blessing here. You know, it's interesting. Isaiah talks a lot about being a God who holds our hand. Isn't that a cool feeling? Isn't that, listen, God holding your hand, isn't that pretty awesome? I mean, if you look at Isaiah 42.6, it's right there in the chapter we're looking at. It talks about, God talks about, hey, I'll hold your hand. If you look at Isaiah 41 verse 10, Isaiah 41.10 says he's going to hold us by his righteous right hand. I never forget the first time I really pondered that. I had a friend whose son was having open heart surgery and his life was touch and go. And we didn't know if he would make it. And it was desperate. And what usually comes pouring out of those stories, there's amazing scripture verses that you maybe never saw. And I remember thinking about a God who was willing to hold us by the right hand and thought, man, if there's comfort in the God who created everything, the God who sustains everything, that he is going to stoop down and hold us by the right hand. And that's pretty cool stuff, is it not? And I like a God who holds my hand and gives me comfort. As long as he doesn't try to lead me somewhere, I don't want to go. I was walking out of a local restaurant. It was Bagel King inside a little strip mall. It was next to a dollar store. And there was a mom who was leading her daughter by the hand. Okay, what do you picture right now? Mom leading her daughter by her hand. You know, she'll be some soft music playing right there. But the problem is, is the little girl saw something in the dollar store she could not live without. She was not blinded by the dollar store. She saw the dollar store and all those things that immediately go to your house and to the landfill in about 24 hours. There was something that she could not live without. And so what was she doing? She was holding her mom's hand. Was she glad to be with her mom? Was she finding comfort with her mom? I mean, she was squirming. I mean, I'm thinking that joint's going to come out of arm. It was amazing. Well, the, the exercise she was doing trying to get away from her mom and the bellowing and the, and the belly aching. And, oh, I want to go, I want to go with that. Man. Do you know how often I act that way? Oh, I want a God who holds my hand in time of comfort. But man, in my eyes, see something I want. God, I don't want to go. I want to go. I think oftentimes in our life, we want a God who hold us and comfort us, but we want a God who will guide us. We have this amazing God who says, I will lead you in a new way, a journey that makes sense. I will guide you out of your ruts. But listen, there's a blessedness of blindness, and we, we act like those little kids that walk by the, light, the, the, the dollar stores of life, and we see something we want. And we, we, we can't live without. And all of a sudden, we are pitching fits. You've heard it said, let go and let God? Bunk. Bunk. Don't let go and let God. It's stupid. 
We're talking about stupid things our society says. That's the second one, all right? Let go and let God. You know what that really means to me in my mind's eye is let go of that mom's hand that's trying to take you away. I want to do my own thing, mom. Doesn't mean get away from you. I'll let you do your thing. You let me do my thing. I'm going to let go and I'm going to let God. That, again, will give you the offering. You can find that one. Hold on like crazy and let God. Grab onto his hand and kneel before him and say, you are the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And you got a way that's not my way. And you got thoughts that aren't my thoughts. And what you can see, I can't see. And maybe the circumstances around me saying that this is crazy that you're leading me this way. But I'm going to have faith in you more than I have faith in what I see. I'm going to believe and I'm going to follow hard after you. And I'm not going to let go. I'm not going to let go for a minute. But I will follow. I'll let God lead. You know the beautiful thing is? It's not even about us holding on to him. It's about his hold on to us. The reality that God will never let us go. Let go and let God. Hold on and don't squirm. The blessing of darkness. Have you ever been in sudden darkness? And I'm thinking metaphorically, maybe, maybe literally you've been someplace where all of a sudden the lights are out and you're in darkness. And what do you do when you all of a sudden come on sudden darkness? What do you do if all of a sudden your whole world just gets dark? You stop. You stop. And you evaluate and you listen. And there's this blessing of darkness because you can't move. Until you know it's safe to go. And sometimes in our life, God is going to give us the blessing of darkness around us that, that we just don't know where to go. And he says, follow me. He says this in this passage. He says, I will bring light into darkness. I will bring light into darkness. Listen, he is the only source of light. He speaks and darkness repels. He is the light of the world. Yes, now we are the light of the world in him, but you know we are, we're, we're like the moon. And I love this analogy, I've given it to you before. A moon is nothing but a ball of dust that cannot shine on its own. What the moon does to get beautiful and to shine is to get itself in right alignment with the sun. Jesus is the light of the world, and this ball of dust, the only way we will ever get light shining in us, through us, about us, off of us, is to get ourselves in right alignment with the sun. And God sometimes is going to bring us into some pretty dark places and say, it's not about you shining, it's about me shining through you. Psalm 139, Psalm 139, 10 and 11 says this, that... that The darkness, when I feel the darkness is hiding me, I'm being consumed by the darkness. But even the darkness is light to you. What may seem circumstantially so dark for your business, so dark for your marriage, so dark for your children, so dark for your life, stop and say, God, shine. Shine, be the light of the world. And What is going on around me? I can't see. I'm a really amateur photographer, but I love my little Olympus 35 millimeter camera. And I remember a few years ago, 
on a pretty nice moonlit, moonlight, moonlit night, uh, walking out onto a dock and taking a tripod and start taking pictures of the moonlight shining off the darkness. And what I kept on doing is I kept on opening up the aperture uh, wider and wider and wider. And then because it was on a tripod and still, I kept on slowing the shutter slower and slower and slower and slower to see how much light I could get. And it was absolutely amazing. I sat there as I took the picture and I looked in the little screen and later printed it. It was, it was, it was, like, it was like daytime. It was so cool. I could see the docks and the distance. I could even see the clouds in the sky. I mean, everything to me was nothing but blackness and a little bit of light on the water. But with the right lens, with the right right aperture, with the right speed, everything became like day. Well, we got something so much better than a camera. We have a God who says, I can see everything in the midst of your darkness, in the midst of your pain, in the midst of the sorrow. I am the Alpha, the beginning. I am the end. I am the creator. I am the sustainer. I am the one. The darkness is like light to me. Do you trust me? And you know what we are? We're like little kids who want a nightlight in the dark. We want something that will give us a little bit of earthly comfort. Just let me know, okay, God? Yes, I know you're there. I know you're the light of the world. But just let this doctor's report be good. Give me a little nightlight. Just give me a little future. Give me a little something that I can hold on to. And you know what he's saying? You don't need a nightlight. You need a God who is light. Who walks with us and leads us and guides us in new ways. The blessing of rough places. He says he will make smooth rough places. And the analogy I have for you is, is this, this picture. We, we take a trek... Uh, up some waterfalls, and it's, it's, it's a little bit dangerous. I mean, always hear stories of kids who have slipped and kids who had to go to the hospital, and you're way out in the middle of nowhere. I mean, it's kind of a gorge area, and you, you know, but we're going to go, and we're going to take folks, but we go single file. I put my best climber first that I know they'll just fly up there, and, and then I start situating those who go with us up the falls, and I say, okay, strong walker, weak walker, strong walker, weak walker, strong walker, and I'm going to I'll be the anchor. If I'm going to start sliding down the falls, I'm catching them. But the, really the trick is, is you walk where your leader walks. And Jesus says, I will go before you. I will guide you. I will make the rough places in your life smooth. And really what he's saying is, follow my footsteps. Follow the leader. Don't be so ridiculous to blaze your own trail. Submit yourself to me. Trust in me, and I will keep you. The blessing of God's character. Listen to what he says. These things I do. I lead the blind. I guide those. I bring light. I make smooth. These things God says I do. I do not forsake them. Are we trusting in God's character? Are we trusting in his actions? There's a God who does these things. And we're not to let go and let God. We're to hang on and let God. We don't say, God, come help us because we're helping ourselves. We say, God, we're nothing without you. I got to tell you that in the last year, year and a half, maybe why I preached this sermon is because I haven't lived this sermon. 
You know, I, I just, I've, I've lived my life the last year and a half uh, trying to see what I could see in the circumstances that I had. And I was that little kid who wanted to hold God's hand. And when he led Katie and me to cancer, I just was that kid who just started squirming like crazy and said, you got to be kidding me. What are you doing? And I walked by sight, not by faith. And I grumbled and I complained and I yelled at him. And you don't think I'm telling the truth. I'm telling the truth. And there's times I was really mad at him. And there's times that I had to come here and talk to you about him and saying, God, if you don't change this, how can I tell him about you and your goodness and grace? And you know what? I'm embarrassed of my behavior. Because I, I, I didn't live my life walking in faith, trusting the God who brought light into the darkness. I lived by sight. And I held on, but I complained. And he's lovingly wooing me back, saying, you know, let's, let's talk a little bit about last year. And I'm saying, God, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm embarrassed. I'm sorry. I'm, I didn't trust you. And listen, our story is great. It's easy for me to now, with my wife healthy and with a great, great prognosis, for us to come back and say, man, I learned some good lessons. But I'm now praying, saying, God, I, I just, I got so much to learn. I'm just... And even this church, I'm just realizing there's so much that I'm trying to lead by sight, not by faith. And so many things you try to do by the circumstances around you and the things that you see instead of the reality of the Holy Spirit who is. And here it is for your pastor. God is driving me to my knees and he's saying, blessed Jeff are the blind. And I'm going to lead you in new ways. Out of old rites. And let light shine. Will you come and join me with the journey? I'm so excited about what he's doing here. I don't know what he's doing. But I know what he's doing here in this heart, saying, trust me. Don't let go and let God. Hang on and let God. Don't wait for God to wait. help themselves. Cry out and say, you're completely lost. I'll give you blessed guidance in Christ Jesus. Let's pray. Father, I thank you that not only do you lead and guide us, you love us, you provide for us, you provide for us this meal to feed blindness, to feed feed your children so that we can have strength for the journey. Father, this table tells us that it's nothing about God helping those who help themselves. This table is reality that God graciously loves those who can't do anything for themselves. That God rescues the lost. He brings sight to the blind. He leads those who are helpless. And He feeds us and strengthens us. So Father, we ask that Your Spirit would come and You would remind us, Father, that that we would quit living our lives by sight and we'd start living our lives by faith, that we quit living our lives as little kids holding on to your hand and squirming underneath your control, saying, just let me go. But God, that we in love would know the safest, the greatest, the most amazing journey is following in your footsteps to those new paths and those new places. God, come. Come with power and strengthen your people, we pray in Christ's name. Amen.